night we talked about the premise. I kept pointing to this part of Ephesians 4 about what it means to be in Christ and just how revolutionary, how very revolutionary what it to be in Christ is. To be in Christ means to be freed from condemnation. That's what Paul says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To be in Christ Jesus, now full of the Spirit, is now you're being transformed to look more like Jesus Christ. But there's this great assurance and security because no matter who you are, where you are, where you're from, no matter what it is about you that signifies the truest thing about you, the truth is that you're in Christ. It revolutionizes everything. The peace of God is the peace of God is the answer. Tonight, I want to drive this point in a way that is really important for you and is what you really think you're going to actually do when you get to heaven. Because if Christianity isn't true in the, in the hardest parts of your life, it's not true. If Christianity can't speak to the darkest, most difficult points, it's, it's just another religion. And the beautiful thing about Christianity, it goes home with you. This gospel, for those who are in Christ, it goes home with you, right to back, right back to where you're going. And wherever you're going, whether it's Iowa or Kansas or Mississippi or Texas or Montana, I'm just in part of them. Wherever you're going back, there's chaos. Wherever you're going back to, there are things that when you think about them, they make you kind of like throw them out. There are things that make you angry when you think about them. And so what I want to leave, what I want you to do tonight is, how does the peace of God go with you? Because that's what we're getting at. So let's look at Philippians chapter 4. Go past it and come back to Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts understanding that is the reality that you face when you actually get here is a peace that supersedes the what you're actually facing. It doesn't mean it erases your understanding. It doesn't mean you sort of like high in the sky, everything's going to be okay, crossing fingers. It means that 
going through the storm, even in the very midst of the greatest storm, we can have peace because of our Jesus. Do you hear a phrase like that? Think think about I, I think back over the time the Apostle Paul says something about having peace. That there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, it is just radically unexpected. It's just this kind of Bible-y, you know, picture. Do you realize that Paul is in prison with the apostles? And the word the word he uses to guard your heart is the same word for being guarded in the storm. Paul is talking about a peace that is deeper than the storm. It swallows up the fear. It's like the peace that fears. Remember last night I gave a demonstration of the, the beetle basketball in the room, and there were all different places in the room, and you'd move it up and move it down, and no matter what, you know, I thought the kids played their little game, regardless if they were down on the floor or if they were up on the top of the shelf on the table, uh, they would all say, I hate cabinets, I hate cabinets, I hate cabinets. This, what Paul's talking about in this moment, is what this passage means, the peace of God that supersedes all understanding. See, we can talk about the peace of God in the abstract, just sort of like church language, but what does it actually mean? It's just like having the peace of God in your most difficult place. There's a peace of God in your hardest place. That's the peace of God. That's the peace of God. So we're going, how do we get it? Two things that we talked about this week. There's this rejoicing in Christ. A rejoicing in Rejoicing in Christ, praying in Christ, and thanksgiving in Christ. Three things that cultivate a peace of God that Paul had to learn. Because he never knew if this was going to be his last time to be in prison. Potentially, it was probably his last. In other words, this is going to be it. So this is what it looks like. Rejoice, rejoicing in Christ. Look at verse 4 with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Okay. The word joy in Hebrew is, is more in this book of Philippians than any other single book in the New Testament. It's sort of the theme of this entire letter. We just see it over and over and over again. It's an interesting word, joy. Because it's different than happiness. Happiness is based on external factors. Joy is something that is not based on external factors. That means joy is something deeper than having a good day or a bad day. The way Tim Keller puts it, he's pastoring here at Harvest Point Church, he says joy is spiritual joylessness. It's a spiritual joylessness that comes when you rejoice in God. And so we're crushed, but we're not stuck. We're struggling, but we're not overcome. We're getting like beaten by the waves, but we're not defeated. There's something, it's almost like this idea of buoyancy, like a like a raft that it's still floating. It keeps pushing it down, it's in deep water, but it keeps coming back up. 
over and over again. It's like, how do we get, how do we get the Spirit to do what He wants to do? It's by focusing on our eternal destiny in Christ. We begin to see factors that we ignored before that benefit us in life and help us grow. And here's why. What you rejoice in, what you rejoice in is what you take with your soul. What you rejoice in runs your life. What you rejoice in is the thing that runs your life. And so, for, for example, if getting this church door and getting home key and getting this group of people to get be part of this group, if that is the thing that you rejoice in, um, you, you have a good day or a bad day based on the substance of getting home. something that is good. It is something that is rooted outside of you. It's something that can ever change. It's something that is invincible. Everything else changes. I think that Paul, and I've said in past sermons, he, he is the head scholar of the church, and he writes the book of Titus. I think that what Paul is thinking of is a classification of the gospel of Jesus phrase that I think really fits here. His church, he tells his his disciples what to do. He has sent his 72 disciples out to go and cast out evil spirits, to go preach the kingdom of God, see people converted, get healed, do all these things. He sends 72 of them out, and they come back, and here's what they say. They returned, and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, my such churches fall like lightning among thieves. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice that your spirit is subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written said this to me, my, my initial reaction, it might have been like, what, like, what the world? Like, what are you questioning this? Like, what's the, what's the amazing ministry? Ever? That's like the most amazing ministry anyone's ever done in the history, like, that's just mind-blowing. And he's like, don't rejoice in the ministry. Don't rejoice in any, don't rejoice, don't find your definition, don't find your identity, don't, don't, re, don't meditate on how good you're doing at any of those things, even if it's as wonderful as ministry to other people. He says, rejoice that right now your names are written in this phrase, past tenses verb. That means done. Your names are written in heaven. And it's amazing. He, they didn't see their names written in anything. And then he said, for these, these disciples revealed that his name was written with God in heaven by the very Spirit of God who wrote that name. So maybe you didn't see your name written on um, the, the, the passport when you got off the plane. Maybe you didn't have your name on it. Maybe you didn't get to the honor society or the Winter Olympic Club when you got off the plane. 
that we were going to see the kingdom of God and preaching the good news in all those places. And I know how devastating that is as a person, and I also know how devastating that is now as a dad to your kids and to get those things. Think about it. We want to see our name in courtrooms. understanding seems sometimes it's overwhelming life is so confusing there will be but when we rejoice in our privileges and the benefits that we have in Jesus Christ over and over again we begin to practice that we learn that we're being we're being shaped by a different messed up in the things that I, that I fall into. Things that I practice. Things that I rejoice in and enjoy. But listen to me. If I want to see the kingdom of God, I want, I want to see the kingdom of God in my life. I want to take every moment, just get on knees, it is just a little nugget of my heart occasionally. And then it's gone like that.
believe in God and believe in Jesus Christ. Let your faith heal you. Let your request be made known to God. And you may think of me as a fatherly figure. I really am. But also think of me as a foundation for that who do you think God is who do you think God calls you who do you think God calls me God is the father that is within me anxiety is when we deny the reality of our fear that leads to control reactivity and rage and then the rage has to be managed so like our addictions most of the time are a response from our shutting down and trying to deny our fears, trying to control them, becoming reactive, and then being full of rage, which we can't, we, we eventually got to numb that stuff. And so whether it's pornography, whether it's pills, whether it's like eating, whatever, whatever, whatever thing you have to numb actually is related, ultimately makes you the greatest Christian that you could ever be. says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. The Lord is right here. He's present. And he says, but you're afraid. Paul is currently in prison for the Christian church. They have him chained in prison, facing Thank Him for your identity in Christ. Talk to God and tell Him how scared you are. Read the Psalms. That's what, it, that's what they're full of. Talk to God and tell Him how overwhelmed you are. Talk to God about how lonely you are. Every single thing. The Lord is at hand. Stop your thinking. Be honest with Him. Live all of your life before the face of God. The Lord is at hand. Live an honest, open life. Stop faking it. Be totally an open book to God and begin this conversation with God. And instead of being anxious,
when the Father hears your prayers, he hears them coming through Jesus himself. But he's coming through someone like a 15, 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old person who doesn't have a clue who's struggling to your prayers. He's coming to honest with God. He's honest with him about their anxiety. He's not talking about being anxiety. Don't make it a sin. Don't complain that you can't have a high chair. Don't the fact that you don't feel like you connect with your mom and dad. Don't the fact that you hate the way you look. About those really, really gnarly, nasty, gross parts because you are in Christ. Talk to God in other option is anxiety or money or being tired. Do you see how like Jesus, yeah, this is like the difference between watching TV one day and watching Jesus do this. For some reason, when you go on a vacation, the only shows that I'm currently watching on TV right now are, are, are like the late teens and early 20s. I don't know why. And apparently the Food Network only shows Triple D, right? Diamond Traveling Mufasa. That's the only show they show. But, like, have you ever watched that show, Hungry? I don't recommend it. But you just think about how good our culture is with this culture of, like, just sanity. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's like, I'm just watching people eat sandwich, right? And I was like, I don't want to eat the sandwich. I don't want to watch Guy Fieri eat a sandwich. And so this is what it's like. It's actually going like, I'm going to stop trying to be religious. I'm going to stop trying to sound good. I'm going to just, because I'm in Christ, this is how free I am. I have peace with God because look at Jesus on the cross. Here I am, God. I'm so freaked out. I'm so worried about something here, and I just, I don't want to, and I don't know what to do about it. Then you begin to just stop sinning. That's the only reason you can watch TV. his whole life of being Christ to be the most childlike man that ever lived. And he died. He had died. Not childish, just childlike. Let him let him die the death that all sin deserved. Listen to a paraphrase of, of John chapter 5, verse 2. Imagine a man in his 30s telling this story. I don't do anything by myself. I just do what I see my dad doing. What if you heard a man in his 30s say that? Wouldn't you probably lose some boundaries, right? Right? That's that's almost an exact paraphrase of what Jesus Christ said in John chapter 5. But what is he saying? He's saying my whole life is a lie. My father is Jesus Christ. My father is the Son of God. And I know that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus Christ is with me. Never leaves me. He is always with me. So even Guys, in Christ, in Christ, that's why we get to watch TV. At the end of the day, the reason they reject it is not an intellectual level. The reason they reject it is they don't want to see Christ. We want to be faithful to him. This is the prime example of how we can So here's the real question. You say, well, what about a lot of people? A lot maybe. How about this? Share their prayers. Share their prayers. Honestly. Prayers like this. I pray this prayer a lot. Um, Help. I'm 44 years old. And I 
and intimidated the guns in the air and voted against the bill. And I'm walking, I, I mean, like on Wednesday, I'm walking to a barbecue on Wednesday, and I'm like, I'm just going to show up because now I'm just going to vote, and I'm just going to vote with a bad conscience. And so I'm walking, I'm walking to go to our barbecue, kind of like I'm doing like this, I'm walking to it, and these guys are starting to like help. They're just saying that okay, and I don't want to speak, and like I had to speak in a Christian hall, we're kind of mad at each other, and there's just all kind of things going on, and he's helping me, helping me, helping me. I don't even know what to say. Romans 8 says, even if you don't know what to say, you can at least speak the grace of your faith that you have received. You don't always get to know what to say. You just have to sit down and listen to what he's saying. say about being anxiety. Some of you in here um, take medication for anxiety, and that is completely okay. That is, this is not to get less spiritual than you should be. Take some anxiety. I've taken medication for my life in any way, shape, or form. I'm not saying that all your anxiety should suffer. You are called to love and serve Jesus. And so I'm not saying that every single drink that we put on the grill is going to be deadly in any way. But what I am saying is you should help yourself by they're all second person plural pronouns. I know that's like not really like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> second person plural. It's like, oh, it's lame. I thought I'd, I'd say the word plural, right? But the second person plural thing is really important because a lot of my Christian life, I wanted to be just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. I want to be like, not on my cross, right? I just want it to be me and Jesus. But that doesn't exist. There is no you, just you and Jesus. Because when Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And so you are not only united in Christ, you are also in communion with other Christians and believers. You are one. Those in John chapter 17, that driving movement of Jesus Christ and the reality of his unity